listening to Stuck in Traffic with Russ, the podcast I record when I'm stuck in traffic. And my name is Russ. Thanks for clicking play. I really appreciate it. You know, I usually record this podcast on a weekday when I'm working because my day job requires quite a bit of driving. And obviously during the day, that's when other people are driving too. So sometimes I find myself stuck in traffic. This podcast, however, is being recorded on a Saturday morning. It's about 9.45 a.m. I'm on the 51 freeway in the Phoenix area heading south. And I am stuck in traffic. On a Saturday morning? In Phoenix? I can only assume there's a terrible accident ahead. Because this is uncharacteristic of the valley. Usually weekend traffic is relatively light. Unless you're around one of the sports stadiums. Or a concert venue. But I don't think Bon Jovi's playing at 9.45 a.m. So I'm going to crawl on the 51 freeway. And what's interesting, especially if you live in the Phoenix area, is the nature of the traffic. Clearly there's something ahead to the right as I see cars in front of me merging to the left. But the 51 freeway, if you don't know, is in a more affluent area of Phoenix. Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, East Phoenix, into the streets that now host a lot of hipster eateries and cafes, gastropubs, breweries, etc., It's basically the more well-to-do I-17 freeway, which is, what, about 30 blocks west in the avenues? Yeah, the I-17 freeway is the ghetto 51 freeway. And traffic acts differently on either freeway, despite the relative short distance between them. For example, on the 17 freeway, people are used to being stuck in traffic. Accidents are relatively common there, so people are patient. They endure the stop and go, the flow, the letting folks over, whatever it takes just to keep moving. I've noticed here on the 51, there's a bit of entitlement. Cars jumping on the shoulder. You know, that small lane that will eventually become the off-ramp, but is clearly not meant for traffic until then folks are taking it. Maybe just to see what's going on, but of course also with the agenda of getting ahead. And it's just slowing things down more as they inevitably have to merge left and create an unnatural hiccup in the flow of traffic. Ah, yes, I've just passed the accident site. Not good. Doesn't look like any... Doesn't look like a fatality accident. I don't see any injuries. No ambulance. Just a tow truck at this point. One hapless driver.
He may have just hit the wall even. I don't see a second vehicle, so fortunately this podcast isn't at someone's expense as far as their very life goes. Probably somebody that, again, just got a little too close to the side. Using the shoulder like a lane. It doesn't work that way. It's called a shoulder because it's there for support. You know, when you think about your own shoulders, they support your neck and head. They're a hinge for your arms. And symbolically, of course, it's where you carry the weight of the world. But other than that, your shoulders aren't a primary use appendage. They're there as an extension or a joint for other important stuff like your head, neck, and arms. You don't do things with your shoulders like write or carry things. You don't eat with your shoulders. So why would you drive on the shoulder? There is an accident etiquette I'd like to address in the context of this experience. Again, 9.50 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Stuck in traffic? If you get into an accident, and heaven forbid, I wish it upon no one. But at this point in my life and in my driving career, I've been in every kind of accident. I've been in an airbag deploy accident, which wasn't my fault, by the way. And I've been in a little fender bender, rear-ending someone, that I'll admit right now was my fault. Shouldn't be surprising, considering the whole context of this podcast is how eager I am to go. But anyway, considering the breadth of those two experiences... Allow me to just offer a little bit of accident etiquette. For example, if you're in a fender bender, a little rear end incident, and there's no significant damage to your vehicle, in my opinion, there's no reason to stop in the middle of the road and wait for law enforcement to arrive. In other words, if your car can drive, if you're just looking at a crack on your front bumper, a little indentation, get to the side of the road. You're not at a CSI-style crime scene where the cops are going to come and study splatter and heaven forbid you tamper with evidence. It's not that kind of crime. There's no reason for you to impede the flow of traffic with your fender bender. Get over. Wait for a cop. The damage will speak for itself. He doesn't need to know where in the road you were. And believe me, even if you're at odds with the other driver, that isn't the point of contention. Rarely will Another driver say, we weren't in the number two lane, we were in the number three lane. There's no benefit to that argument. It doesn't help. Fender bender's just that. Little rear end incident. Somebody was clearly behind somebody else in a lane. 
But if your cars are drivable, if it's just cosmetic damage, get the heck out of the way. Now, if you're in an air, airbag deploy incident, obviously the context is different. Circumstances are a little more dire. I don't know what the legal ramifications are if you decide to move your vehicle. I would not suggest it in that case, despite my own instincts to just want to go. But if your car will eventually be totaled, or if you need significant repair to not just the body, but the cosmetic, you know, the mechanics of the vehicle, radiator, engine work, whatever. Yeah, don't move the, the vehicle, but also know that your accident has now become a small theatrical production for people. This is where rubbernecking comes from. As folks drive by and look at the scene, they choreograph the accident in their mind. You know this, you do it. You start to make assumptions about who's to blame, what happened, how it happened. Do yourself a favor and also help the flow of traffic. Step to the side of the road. You, yourself. You can't move the vehicle, but you can move yourself. That's not a play you want to star in. You don't want to be the leading man in somebody's hypothetical reenactment of your accident as they look at you and scoff. Get to the sidewalk where it's safe and make your phone calls. People that stand in the road with their car door open blocking another lane of traffic that could otherwise be free despite your accident. Yet you need the space to stand by your car. I don't know what you think you're doing there other than looking entirely helpless and a little foolish. Get out of the road! At that point, if your car's totaled or at least undrivable, you're a pedestrian. You shouldn't be in the road anymore. There's very little difference between you and somebody without a car passing by at that time. So get on the sidewalk. Call your insurance companies and 911, not necessarily in that order. But you know, that's another point I'd like to make is, depending on whose fault it is, that initial conversation with the other driver is key. Asking if they're okay and making sure they're not pretending to be injured again. It's a very short scene in this production you've created in the road. Make it poignant, make it significant, then get out of the way. And to the police, you know, I respect our men and women in blue. So much so that I don't say that often. Men and women in blue, I think it marginalizes and dehumanizes them. They're cops, they're police, they're people with a tremendous amount of responsibility. Men and women in blue make it sound like a club. These are professional people. 
And believe me, you hear my frustration in these podcasts. You can only imagine what a cop endures every day. Because not only are they often stuck in traffic, but they have to deal with the cause of traffic directly. I get to pass it passively. Talk about it here. Therapeutically. They have to deal with it professionally. So man, I get it. There's stress. The pressures of, crit- of criticism. Who's recording me now? Imagine at your own job. As you sneak a few minutes on Facebook between spreadsheets. What if that's the moment somebody de- decided to record you at your desk? Not the 40 minutes of productivity, but the 20 minutes of R&R you give yourself as a reward. And then that goes on YouTube. That's what a cop experiences. When they raise their voice to a guy that's been speeding, all of a sudden that cop's the jerk. Anyway, I sympathize with our men and women in blue. But I gotta say to the coppers, when you arrive to an accident scene, part of your job is to maintain the flow of traffic around said scene. So why would you park your car or SUV or your motorcycle in another lane, impeding that as an option for the flow of traffic? I know there are safety concerns and not every accident is the same, but I have often seen a cop take the luxury of parking his SUV at an angle so it impedes a lane that I know could be open and free to the flow of traffic so we can get by. Cops off, I guess they think one lane is enough? But wouldn't it make your job a lot easier if you had at least two lanes open so folks weren't in the position to stop rubberneck and slow down the cars behind them? If you had two lanes, at least one would be a little obscured from the traffic scene and drivers that don't care to look could, could prefer it. I don't know, that's just me. Again, I don't bear the responsibility of law enforcement. Thank God. But I think cops are sometimes to blame for traffic. Protecting us, yes, by maintaining a perimeter around the scene, but also serving us is important by making sure the full potential of the roadway, however obscured by the accident, is still achieved. That's my proverbial open letter to cops that have to deal with accidents. And I hope that you never find yourself in that position where you have to make these decisions. Where should I stand? Are our cars okay? Can we pull to the side of the road? How should I act now when I'm stuck in traffic? Apparently that's the universal question. You can follow me on Instagram at AmazingAZComics. I self-publish a mini-comic book series about Arizona news, history, and culture with superhero adventure. I also host a live local late night talk show here in Phoenix called Phoenix Tonight. You can find it on YouTube. Just search for Phoenix Tonight. Some of my recent episodes include interviews with 
Poet Laureate Rosemary Jenna and Tiger Beat Editor Ann Moses. Please check it out. Hopefully they and this podcast will entertain you the next time you need something to listen to. If you ever find yourself, heaven forbid, on a Saturday morning stuck in traffic. Do my-